some of you may want to sleep uh, as well. And, <laughs> and if that's the case, I will not judge and I won't come by and, and, and wake you up in the middle of this message. It's okay. But um, I do want to call your attention to the Gospel of John. And it's in the 17th chapter. We have been looking at the, uh, the prayer of Jesus, the real Lord's Prayer, in John 17 over the last couple of weeks. And we come to that last part of, of John's, or excuse me, of Jesus' prayer in John 17, beginning at verses, verse 20. And um, if you will uh, turn there with me, I want to read that for you. You can turn in your device or your Bibles and certainly follow along uh, on the screen as well. Uh, John chapter 17, let's go ahead and just read that together. I'll read it aloud if you read, read silently and follow along with me. John 17 verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. What we, um, what we see here in this passage is that God has, has revealed his glory in the person of Jesus, and Jesus then is praying that because of that revelation, because of who Jesus is and his relationship with the Father, he wants that kind of unity, that kind of love that the Father and the Son, that God the Father and God the Son, Jesus, have for each other. He wants that unity to be in us. He wants that unity to be in us. Notice the first, the first phrase. What does Jesus say in verse 20? He says, I do not ask for these only. Who are the these? The these are his disciples that are gathered around him. The, his disciples that he's been having a dialogue with, teaching them for now since all the way back to chapter 13 in John's Gospel. He's been teaching them all sorts of things. And at, that, at, the, at this point in John 17, he's been praying for them. And he prayed for his disciples. He prayed that they would be kept by God, by the Father, in His name. That they would be protected from the evil one. That they would be sanctified, which is just a wonderful church term for that they would be set apart from the rest of the world. That they would be made holy. And then he comes to this point in his prayer and he says, I don't ask for them only. 
I'm not just praying for my disciples who are right here, right in front of me, right in my gathering, the people I've been spending time with, spending months, three years even, with these people. I am praying. Who is he praying for? He says, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who are these people who are going to believe in Jesus through the word of the disciples? Well, this, let's just track with me here. The disciples went on after Jesus' uh, ministry was complete on the earth. And they went on and they told other people the good news about Jesus. How Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. How Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. How Jesus died in their place and in the place of all who would hear. Died for every human being. And how He was buried. And three days later, how He rose from the dead. And how that, that resurrection had given everyone an opportunity for new life. Every person who would believe could live eternally with God the Father. And they told that message everywhere they went. And what happened? People believed. And as they told the message, the other people in other places would wanted to hear the message. And so the message spread, and the message was written down, and they, they said, we need to write down this message so that we don't get it wrong, so that the next generation has an accurate uh, story of what happened to Jesus and what God has taught us through the Holy Spirit and through Jesus. So they wrote down the Gospels and they wrote the letters and we have the New Testament recorded and added to the, the Old Testament scriptures that the, uh, Jesus and his disciples knew and read and studied and understood as a revelation from God to them for their lives. And so they, they put those things down. And so now we have the words of the apostles right here in our Bibles. And so we're reading them. And guess what? Today, as people read God's Word, as they hear it spoken, as they hear the story of God and, and of what God has done through Jesus, they respond in belief. They put their faith and their trust in Jesus. They believe in Him through their Word. So who is He praying for? Who is Jesus praying for? He's praying for you and me. He prayed for you and me. What did He pray for them? <laughs> he loves us. He loves you. He loves me as unworthy as I am of His love. He loves me. And He prayed for me. He prayed that we all may be one. Verse 21, that they may all be one. He's praying that you would be one with the apostles. That you would be one with the second generation of disciples that came after the apostles. That you would be one with the great church fathers of the 2nd and 3rd and 4th century. That you would be one with every believer who worshipped Jesus throughout history. 
That you would be one with every believer who's worshiping Jesus today all over this valley. That you would be one with believers who are gathered all over this country and in other parts of the world. Some of them in open places. Some of them in, in, in great beautiful buildings. Some of them who are worshiping in homes. Some of them who are worshiping in basements or in wooded areas or under a tree in Africa. That you would be one with all believers of all time. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. It's an amazing uh, unity that, that Jesus uh, is praying for. And he's praying that this unity would be like the unity that, that Jesus has with his Father. When he says that the Father is in me and I in you, and Jesus in the Father, uh, we may wonder, what is he talking about? How, how, how does that work? What is this in you, in me, in each other language? I thought about that myself. And I wrestled with it. The, the, the idea that we are in Christ is a very complicated thought. I mean, uh, we say it in the church, but then to actually understand what that might mean and what are those implications for our own lives? So I went back through Jesus' teaching, back through to John 13, 14, 15, and 16, where Jesus is talking about a lot of this stuff. And in John 14, I came to the part where, where John uh, or excuse me, Jesus asks his disciples, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? He asked that question to his disciples like there's an obvious answer to it. Well, yeah, of course you're in the Father and the Father is in you. But what would that, what would that mean? What would that look like? Then he says this, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So he says two things. He refers to the words that he was speaking, and he refers to the works that were being done. The words and the works. So what he said and what he did. And he says that I am speaking God's words. And that is how the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Okay? I know there's some more deeper spiritual aspects to that, that in the Father, in me. But just on the face of it, Jesus is saying, the words that I say means that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words or the works that I do, the things that I do, the way I live my life and the actions that I carry on, the good works that I'm doing, those are indications that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. He says in verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So Jesus' works were not only, uh, were not only an indication in you know, ontologically that he was in the Father and the Father was in him, but their evidence, their evidence to everyone who saw when Jesus healed the blind, when Jesus walked on water, 
When Jesus fed 5,000, multiplied the loaves and the fishes, when Jesus did all of those miraculous things, when He raised the dead, He's saying, I am in the Father and the Father is in Me. <laughs> when, I am, when I do these things, that, that's, a, that's, that's proof to you, it's evidence to you that I am the Son of God, that I am in the Father, that the Father is in Me. He, he went on to say in chapter 14, he said this, 14 verse 31, But I do as the Father has commanded me. I do as the Father has commanded me. How is the oneness between the Father and the Son um, explained by Jesus? By obedience. By obedience. Jesus does what the Father tells him to do. He obeys the word of the Father. And that's how we know that they're one. So, what is this unity? This is the unity that, that, that uh, Jesus is praying for His disciples. He's praying this for His disciples. He's praying that they would be one as the Father and the Son are one. I think he's praying for those things. He's praying that God's word would be in us. That the words that we say are not just our own words. Have you thought about the words that you've said this morning? When you woke up? The words you said to your spouse? Or the words you said to your, your children? Or the words that you texted? Or the words that I don't know, any number of words. Have you thought about the words that have just come out of your mouth in the last 24 hours? Are those God's words? Are those words honoring to God? <laughs> are we, did they indicate to anybody that you are in the Father and the Father is in you? That you are one with the church? That you are one with Christ? What about our actions? What about the things that we've done? the way we live our lives, the choices that we make. Jesus always made right choices. I mean, He's a very high standard, isn't He? I mean, Jesus always did what was good and right and perfect. That's what we learn from reading God's story. He always did what was right and good and perfect. We can't say that for ourselves. But the kind of unity that Jesus wants for us in our, in our churches and with, with other believers and with God and with Christ Himself is that kind of unity. That the works that we do, the actions that we, that we, we engage in, give glory to God, lift Him up, demonstrate that we're one with the Father. Maybe... Um, Maybe, maybe we need to um, hear and obey God's Word. Maybe we're not listening to God speak to us through His Word as we should. And we're certainly not obeying it. We learn from Jesus that blessed are you if you do them. John thirteen seventeen. He said, if you know these things, these things that I'm demonstrating to you, these things that I'm telling you, commanding to you, that's wonderful, but blessed are you if you do them. So the blessing is not in the hearing. I heard Jesus say these good things. 
I heard, I heard the Bible being read. I heard the good news. The blessing comes when we walk in them. When we obey them. When we do them. Hmm. I, I, um, I spent 10 years on active duty in the army. And let me tell you, we learned a thing or two about obedience. And those of you, if you've ever experienced military life or anything similar to that, you, would, you can identify with me. You learn what it means to obey. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you know. Because your drill sergeant, your platoon sergeant, your platoon leader, your commander, whoever, will tell you all kinds of wonderful things that you need to know. But if you don't do them, well, the, the end result for soldiers is they're going to be dead. And so will their buddies. And the mission will not be accomplished. But there is great joy. There is great blessing in doing what you're told to do and doing the right thing. It comes around. And you grow and you mature and you accomplish things, accomplish great things through obedience. But never just through hearing. Never just through hearing. Jesus heard His Father speaking to Him. Speak these words. Jesus heard His Father speaking to Him. Do these great works. Spread this message. And Jesus obeyed. That's the kind of, of purpose or kind of, of focus I think our lives ought to have to, to experience the kind of unity that Jesus prays for us. And, and see with me what kind of, of result is going to come from, from this unity in verse 21, he says this, that they also may be in us, yes, so that, so here is the, the hope, the, the reason that Jesus is praying for this unity, this oneness, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. There is a reason for our unity. Do you ever wonder why, uh, why there are so Few people who believe in Jesus. Why there are so many people who have, are living contrary to God in His ways, who, uh, who have no respect for God or Christ or God's Word or the church. Could it be because they have seen too much disunity? Or maybe some of you are here today going, well, that's what I've observed. A lot of disunity. A lot of people claiming to be Christians and hating on each other. We've seen that over and over again. And Jesus right here is praying. Praying. Father, I, I ask that they may be one so that the world may believe. In verse 23, he says, so that the world may know. The world may know that you sent me. They may believe that you sent me. They may know that you sent me and have loved them, your disciples, and all believers, even as you have loved me. This kind of unity, we, um, 
we uh, we want to have um, is a very is a very tricky thing. One one commentator, D. A. Carson, wrote this about this unity. He said it's not achieved by hunting enthusiastically for the lowest common theological denominator. Like what's what can we what are the one or two things we can just agree on? Okay, we agree on those things. Okay, we have unity. But but he said it's not achieved that way, but by common adherence to the apostolic gospel. That means the word, the message that the that the apostles wrote down in the New Testament. By love that is self-sacrificing Remember, remember the scene of Jesus washing His disciples' feet in John 13? He washed their dirty, nasty feet, which not even the lowest of lowest Jews would do. And, and they would always bring in some nasty, dirty Gentile to wash their dirty, nasty feet. And Jesus said, I'm your leader, but I'm going to put on a robe and I'm going to love you and I'm going to wash your feet. And then he goes on to say in chapter, four, or chapter 15, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends, and you are my friends. I lay down my life for you. I self-sacrifice for you. That's the kind of love um, that is joyfully self-sacrificing. Carson goes on to say, it is, it is also by undaunted commitment to the shared goals of the mission with which Jesus' followers have been charged. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That mission, we, we commit to that mission, and we go for it, no matter what the cost, right? You heard Chris and Chelsea say, we're going to commit ourselves to the mission. We will commit ourselves to, to Jesus' mission above our careers and above uh, peer approval. That means it doesn't matter what their neighbors think of them. It doesn't matter what, dare I say, family. We've dealt with that. Family, neighbors, uh, jobs. <laughs> Uh, bosses, I'm going to commit myself to the mission of God. I'm going to commit myself undaunted to that mission. Mm. Unity. It's not achieved by, he, he goes on to say, self-conscious dependence on God Himself for life and fruitfulness. What does that mean? <laughs> that means we purpose in our minds that it's all about God's purposes. That we're all about, we're all about depending on Him in everything. It's not about our own, uh, our own ability, as, as Chris shared earlier, uh, to, to work out our schedules and work out our, our, our motivations for all of these things and try to get all of these things accomplished in our own ability. When we lay those things down at the foot of the cross to Jesus and say, I am messing this up. I am totally dependent on you, God. That's when God steps in. That's when unity happens. Mm. And then you know what He does? He changes our work. He changes the way we act around our neighbors. He changes our family. 
He works. And all of those things that we thought we were walking away from to pursue God, we find are there with Him. Isn't that awesome? That God can do that through Christ? I am, I am not getting very far here. We're going to move we're going to keep going. We're going to keep trucking through this prayer. But Jesus says this in verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. What is he talking about? When we talk about glory, when we see glory in, especially in the Gospels, and Jesus is talking about the glory of God and the glory that he is manifesting, he's saying, I have been a perfect reflection of your glory. If you imagine, and I've, I've shared this with you before, imagine every human life is a mirror. And it's reflecting whatever it worships. What do people see reflected in you? In your face, in your life? What do people see? Because what Jesus is saying is, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. He's saying, I perfectly reflected God's goodness, His excellence, His beauty, His everything that was, is wonderful about God has been perfectly reflected in my life and, and seen by other people. And what about our lives, right? What about our lives? That's the kind of glory that Jesus is talking about. And then, he's, let me just keep going. He, he asked, or he, he states that that glory has been given, and he reiterates that they may be one, even as we are one, the Father and the Son. And then verse 23, I and them, and you and me. Again, he's using that in language, that unity language, that they may become perfectly one, or the word might better be suited as completed, Completely one, or one in completion, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Then, then, then look at this in verse 24. He says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. To what? To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And Earlier in his prayer, he said, he said to the Father, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And he's essentially restating that idea. Jesus, as the second person of the Trinity, as God who came in the flesh and lived on this earth, this Jesus um, was loved by the Father before the foundation of the earth. Before anything existed, He had the glory of God in His person. And He says, I want my people to see that glory. I want all believers to see that glory. I want them to be one so that they can experience one day. What did we sing about? We shall see Him face to face and forever we will worship. Jesus, You are all to us. That's what He's talking about right here. He's talking about that right here in verse 24. He wants us to see Jesus face to face and experience the glory of the Father, the glory of the Son, face to face in His presence. And He knows that there's only one way to do that. 
oneness, unity. Unity with the Father, unity with the Son, and therefore, unity with the church. Verse 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know You, I know You, and these know that You have sent Me. Again, that idea, no, no, no. It's, it's I have shown You. I have shown them Your glory. I made known to them Your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which You have loved Me may, may be in them and I in them. This last phrase will sum will sum up our um, time this morning and sum up this message. What does Jesus want to result in our lives? Through unity, through recognizing the unity of the Father, through recognizing the glory of God in the person and work of Jesus. What does He want us to experience? He wants us to experience the love of the Father. That child dedication I said, I asked, I asked um, Chris, will you give Abigail the time and attention and affection that show the true nature of her Father in heaven? What one word was missing there in that phrase that sort of summarizes it all up. Love. Will you love your daughter as the Heavenly Father loves us? That is a high mark. That is a really high mark. In fact, everything that Jesus is praying for His disciples is a high mark. But the secret of it all is in the very last phrase. If you have your Bibles, look at it with me. He says this, And I in them. And I in in them. It's not just, he's not just kind of closing it off, closing off his prayer with another throwaway phrase, repeating a, an idea that he's already said many times. He is saying something so rich and so significant, I don't want you to miss it. He's saying this, that if you want to experience the love of the Father, you would come to Jesus. It's only Jesus who gives us true love, who gives us lasting love. It's only in Jesus that we can experience hope in this present life. Not just, not just pie in the sky hope, but even right now. It's only through Jesus that we can experience oneness. Healing, relationships, restoration, the good things that God has for us in this life. That's the offer. So in, in a sense, Jesus closes out His prayer by basically saying, what about you? Every, every one of you who read this, every one of you who hear this, are you going to receive the offer that I, have, I, am, I am laying out before you, that you can have healing, that you can have forgiveness, that your guilt 
that your shame, that your, your hardships, that your division can be resolved in me. Faith in me. How do you need to respond to that? I mean, I want to ask you to consider consider a couple ways that you may be able to respond. One is if you don't know God the Father as a perfect, heavenly, loving Father, you can know Him by putting your faith in Jesus. He is more glorious. Life with God the Father, life in the Son, faith in Jesus, belief in Jesus, is a more glorious life than you could ever, ever conduct, ever put together on your own, in your own life. No matter how successful you become, no matter how, how many things you can achieve, that is offered to you. Perhaps you need to make that decision. Uh, perhaps today you may be in a situation where you have come to know the love of the Father, but there are still things in your life that are, that are separating you in some way, shape, or form. There's still sin. A good definition of, definition of sin is simply rebellion against God and His ways. And it starts in our heart. Lord knows I have rebellion in my heart that needs to be dealt with. And perhaps you need to spend some time today in a moment as we're singing a song and pour out your heart to Him and say, Father, I don't know you as I should. Father, there are things in my life that I need to confess to you. I need, to, I need you to heal. I need you to forgive. Perhaps today, you, you sense that uh, you, you understand the love of the Father. You, you have received forgiveness, but you haven't experienced the kind of unity in the body that Jesus is describing. Maybe you need to make a decision to say, uh, I want to become a covenant member of this church. Maybe you need to make a decision like that. Or maybe God is working on your heart in any number of other ways. Maybe there's a relationship that needs to be healed. Maybe there's an individual that you know who you need to share an encouraging word with. Maybe you need to share God's word with or the message of salvation that is found only in Jesus. There may be any number of things He's calling you to do. I'm going to pray, and then I want you to respond. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word to us today. God, I thank you that though, whew, though we have made a royal mess of many things, that you give us forgiveness, that you give us grace through Jesus. That, Father, we can come to You. We can put our faith and our trust in You. 
and be received into Your presence. That You will answer our prayers. That You will remove our guilt and our shame. God, You have already dealt with that with Jesus on the cross. When He died on the cross, He took all of our sins with Him and He took them to the grave, into the tomb, and He left them there. They no longer have power over us. Now, God, we ask that by Your Holy Spirit You can help us to live according to Your plans and Your designs for our life, that we can, we can be set apart from the world, that, that our, our words can be uh, glorifying to You and pleasing to You, that our, our actions will be pleasing to You, God, that, God, You will do whatever it is that we need today. We love You. We thank You for Your glory and Your presence with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.